So the fuck's up? Hi everybody, this is Austin, with your podcast Opinion is Wrong, which you're listening to right now. This is, I believe, um, oof, this is a big one guys, this is episode 10. We is finally it? reached double digits. Woohoo! I know. I thought, sure. I thought it was nine. Let's get drunk. No, um, <laughs> uh, uh, nine was, uh, uh, nine was the one where we called Nick a racist, which is how... Okay, yeah, you're right, this, this is double digits. Right, this is the one where, um, well, Nick is still a racist, but he's just not a racist on this podcast now. Um, uh, episode 10, which is uh, a landmark, uh, they said we couldn't do it. They said it could never be done, but here we are. Proving I mean, it hasn't been done yet. It has not been done yet. Oh, God. You, you bring this podcast down, whoever said that. <laughs> um, speaking of whoever said that, I think we should probably... Evan, it was Evan. This. It was Evan. We have some, uh, we have some, yeah, some old faces that you know and love on today's episode, as well as some, well, one new face that you will know and hopefully love. Uh, with us is, of course, myself, uh, your gracious host, Mr. Austin. Um, also returning uh, would be Mr. Mark, our uh, ambassador from from uh, the, the the northern parts of the continent, Canada. Say hello, Mark. Hey, oh, it's it's Mark. Um, and, uh, our, um, uh, our resident, Alex is here. Jesus, I can't come up with anything clever. Um, never mind. <laughs> Alex is here. This is Alex. <laughs> He's on the podcast. God damn. You will address me as Julia Holter from now on. Ugh. He's, he's, that just made me shudder right there because once again, somehow talking about our Skype avatars, he has another picture of Julia Holter, um, looking like she's. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Having sex with the mic stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Um, of course. Don't you say that about <laughs> Mrs. Halter. How dare you? She's a lady. What a slut. I'm never going to get that interview thanks to this. <laughs> You're not going to get that interview thanks to a lot of reasons, not the least of which is your current restraining hoarder with um with Mrs. Halter. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh... This is, uh, of course, episode ten, and um, well, let's let's get let's get right into it. Let's get right into episode ten. Um, everybody, what are you listening to? So this is um, uh, what are you listening to? The segment where we talk about what we, the uh, the hosts of your podcast opinion is wrong, are listening to. And uh, Evan, let's let you go first since uh, oh, you're new here. Right, let's see. Uh, black metal. 
Um, I like this. I, Definitely some had, black metal. I've had nobody to talk about black metal with. And uh, like I said, I don't know if you've heard the, the podcast before, but I've talked for a solid hour and a half alone about black metal. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to finally have uh, a comrade in uh, comrade in, uh, black metal. Yeah. Let me think. There's a... Uh... What what got me listening to black metal was the the Gummo soundtrack. Oh, me too. I talked about that exactly. It was exactly the Gummo soundtrack. That's yeah, it, it's incredible. It's amazing. Like, there's so much good death and black metal on it, and it gets you into so much shit. Uh huh. It, it was like it's the perfect movie for that. It works so perfectly within the. the <laughs> Oddly the, enough. Yeah. Um, we talked about this on the the film episode. Uh, other other hosts. I don't know if you heard, but um. It's this movie about this sort of just like, you know, super nihilistic, you know, degenerate redneck town in Ohio. And, uh, and the soundtrack is a lot of like uh, death and black metal. And I think the black metal, it, it, it just it has such an effect, you know, like the sort of atmos- uh, atmosphere of it on the movie. It works so well. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was actually also the movie that got me into listening to black metal, which is very interesting. Yeah. Hell yeah. But yeah, it's got um, Bethlehem. That that's an interesting act. Um, fucking uh, you know, Mortician, uh, Sleep, Doom Metal. There's some stone yeah, metal. Yeah, it's on got there. it's got some cool sludge. They have an I Hate God song on there and yeah. Spaz, I think. Yeah. And, uh, actually, I actually just picked up a Bethlehem album the other day. Um, Dictus T, whatever it was. They're always yeah. impossible to pronounce. I don't even know Mayhem's pronunciations. Yeah, me, me neither. It, it's bad Latin too. I looked it up, and it's 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 misspelled Latin. Like, I mean, what would you expect from Mayhem? Yeah, they don't give a fuck about anything. Okay. <laughs> not not even their own band members, including human life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and their own. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's an excellent movie for anybody watching. I, I mentioned this before, but everybody go out and watch that movie because it's one of my favorites. I actually just rewatched it recently, and yeah, I did too, just up. two nights ago. Yeah. It's we should probably give the caveat that it'll disturb you, right? That's the well, reason. It basically just declares the death of cinema. Like it just destroys all other films that you will ever watch from that point onward. It's just this huge mess of like scenes, it, and it's awesome. It's uh, I I don't know. I I guess I've you know as a member of I guess we're in Generation Y now. I've been desensitized enough to where it didn't affect me that much. But I guess like an older person watching it would be. <laughs> Would be fair yeah, like a twenty-two-year-old. <laughs> I, I never, like, I never viewed it as that disturbing, which I guess sort of speaks so highly of my culture and not, generation. Not disturbing. But, uh, I yeah. would consider it dis- like, I thought it was a beautiful film. I just thought it was just so like, it like knew like the the devices that films use, but it just uses them in the worst way possible to the point where it's this giant like reductio absurdum of just film, and it's just brilliant. Mm-hmm. But. And uh, I think, and the black metal, of course, fits just right in there. Cause I, yeah, exactly. This is, all right, I'm going to talk about liturgy, and I know that's going to... Okay, awesome, great topic. That's a great topic. Liturgy. Uh, because I know Mark and Alex care so much about black metal and its culture. <laughs> I'll listen. Yeah, yeah read, read Transcendental Black Metal, and you will be a little... A little, I, I don't know what you'll be. I don't just just give it a read. It's the most I, pretentious piece of bullshit art you've ever seen. Here's the thing. Um, this is uh, 
because there's a dichotomy to this that I find really interesting, and that's the use of black metal as, like, a symbol. And it's like, all right, so black metal in... Okay, so I read about it on, um, I think it was, oh, let me see the website. Uh, it was a website that was, um, I think it would have been, like, Spin or something. But, um, it was, uh, they, the, the overall, you know, tone of them posting this, you know, essay, Transcendental Black Metal, was that, look at this, you know, uh, pretentious douchebag thinking he's better than all black metal. And, um, to a sense, I, I, I mean, that's not to a sense, what, but in, what entirely is that's... Uh, it's, it's, it was a magazine. I don't think it's that exactly. Um, okay, let me see. Transcendental Black Metal. Uh, it, oh, it was Vice. Okay. Um, Vice.com. I guess um, they posted uh, a couple pages of it, and then they said, you know, um, okay, uh, you know, if you've actually read this far, we don't want you reading our website, so please go screw off. And I was like, okay, well, it is a horrible, pretentious piece of garbage, which... Is true, but in the beginning of um, at the end of uh, the the article, they mentioned that um, that you know they take black metal way too seriously. They take black metal, which is quote you know the most inherently comedic of all metal genres, too seriously. <laughs> try to make it into something intellectual, which I don't believe is true at all. I think that black metal, the sound of it, and I not entirely the culture of it, but the just the sound and sort of symbolism of it is really it's, it's awesome. something to be taken of. Uh, because that sound, which is you know the blast beat and the tremolo open chords and everything, is and, and, and the whole chamber it's, sort of sh like the the church like sound like right and turning yeah. it upside down like a cross. It has perfect symbolism. Like, uh, like yeah. <laughs> but um, that's the thing. Like, there's only the two extremes. There's only you know the ultimate you know super pretentious you know intellectual dissection of black metal. Yeah. And yeah. then there's the oh look at this you know these guys in corpse paint burning down churches. Let's all look at them and laugh. Which I, the sweet spot is uh, you know hopefully right in the middle of where you treat it as a real art form, which it is, and you you do intellectualize it to some degree, like you do with you know you know punk rock or hardcore or anything, because it's like something that needs to be intellectualized, but it's always treated, even within the black metal community, as like something that is just purely—it's metal. Like you know, it's it's like a, a metal music. It's fantasy music, which you know I, I talked about this last time is not what I listen to metal music for. I listen to it for the aggression, for the noise, and the sort of um, overall you know audio aesthetic of it, and not exactly the uh, lyrical content. You like know. the Dungeons and Dragons kind of like inspired stuff. I'm not too much into like that. Like. I mean, Euronymous and all them, like, I was reading up on it, and they're, they're big fans of, like, they, they were big fans of, like, video games and fantasy and all sorts of stuff, and that's what inspired a lot of their themes, but it was also hatred towards the church, and it was embracing paganism and all that stuff, but a lot of it's just a lot of fantasy that, I don't know, it just seems a little, a little far-fetched. And I mean, personally, like, outside of metal music, I like that stuff a lot, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll read Lord of the Rings and whatnot. Yeah, but, I'm, not, um, I'm not a fantasy guy. <laughs> uh, I, I dig it enough. But uh, there's only there's only pretension and then there's only, you know, just, you know, you know, comedy in terms of how people look at black metal, which is not how I think it should happen. Anyway, I've talked for infinitely too long about something that literally nobody but myself cares about. So somebody I mean, please liturgy, take liturgy. over. We were getting into liturgy, weren't we? 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, you know, transcendental black metal. You know, every every instance of the words transcendental black metal could be replaced with liturgy, and then you know, it, it would still make just as much sense. They're writing about themselves and why you know they're the ultimate sort of distillation of what makes black metal awesome, which is pretentious, like I mentioned. But but you're taking you're taking Hunter Hunt Hendricks like Columbia educated intellectualism, and then you're taking his music, which isn't Columbia educated intellectualism. It's music. And you have to separate those two if you want to, like, you can't take his words for being aesthetica. Like, it's, they're two totally different things. And, like, I don't really see aesthetica. I see aesthetica as a great album. I see Renolation as a great album, too. But I don't see them being as, like, these huge, like, assertions of a philosophical, like, concept, you know? Right, right. I, I think they are in the sense that... I think their music is a lot better than as people they are, which you know is yeah. makes sense because they're at least um, uh, Mr. Hunter is horrible. I don't. I I would. I wouldn't. I would He's avoid. The, I would avoid the man on the subway, and um, he, the other bands seem to be you know um, ashamed of them, just good enough. Uh, you know, to the point where they. It seems like they're almost about to quit the band whenever I see them in interviews. But uh, th- I think their music is that sort of sweet spot between the intellect- you know, intellectualizing black metal and you know, keeping the same power and aggression of black metal uh, that their you know, whole transcendental black metal stuff is. God, I, I stop me, people. Jesus, I all talked right, all too right. long. All right, Alex and Mark. Alex and Mark, what are you? <laughs> What's up, dudes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, anyway, what uh, what else are you listening to, Evan? Yeah. Um, '90s emo. Um, and then I don't know if you've seen it on the threads and stuff, but uh, there's this band from Philly that um maybe you guys have heard, Al- Algernon Cadwallader. It's I've a, heard the name. And um, I really like their sound, and I was looking at some of their stuff on YouTube, and all the comments were like, "Oh, these guys are like Cap and Jazz, like copycats." So I looked up Cap and Jazz emo for me and and the guy in cap and jazz went off to like all like other acts like american football and um owen and and a lot of great like depressing music but like hard rock and it's sort of like going in a different direction that grunge went from like rejecting 80s metal and all that sort of creating your own rock and uh yeah i thought it was kind of interesting but, um yeah. I've, I've talked about this in other places not this podcast but grunge was just as guilty of, you know, um, bringing back, you know, sort of the classic rock sound as other stuff was. Because, you know, Pearl Jam, it has nothing to do with, you know, punk and hardcore. It has everything to do with Jimi Hendrix and, you know, early 70s rock, which is why I never really liked Pearl Jam. And grunge, like, very quickly, very, very quickly became so much more just a style and a culture than it was a collection of bands because Creed. I yeah I mean just listen to you know just like list grunge bands like you know Alice in Chains and uh, Pearl Soundgarden Jam. Pearl Jam they're not they're not really good bands or what most people would classify as good and I think ironically enough the most popular Nirvana was one of the ones that actually you know eventually stayed true to what grunge was in the beginning which was just like it was well, like by no, default by it was default. noisy punk metal yeah. It was, but but yeah, you have that lead singing like that 
deep, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not a fan of also the, the sort of uh, intonation of the of the lead singers usually. They're usually tone deaf, too. So. Well, yeah, it's usually like, it's like a bark grunt. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Holy Christ, Evan and Alex have, I mean, uh, Mark and Alex has literally not said anything. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. What have you I, I know very little about 90s email. And yeah, I, I, same. But Jawbreaker, anybody? Uh, Rights of Spring? Uh, I, I like Rights of Spring. That's, I like them. Rights of Spring is awesome. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess the first sort of, like, really, like, um, emo music is, like, uh, the term emo is a you know degeneration of uh, emotional hardcore, which yeah. I guess the first emotional hardcore band was Minor Threat, and I guess yeah. um, uh, Our Threat emo. I thought uh, Embrace was the well was Embrace the... too, but Minor Threat were very sort of hyper aggressive. Um, uh, I, I guess you could say like you know touchy feely type uh, hardcore, and they were the like they were hardcore. They're in my opinion the best hardcore band, but. Um, they, you know, embrace that sort of emotionalism, and uh, Ian MacKay later had a bunch of those early DC emo bands on his label, and was also in a couple of them. Embrace, and I guess he played with a couple others too. Yeah, that guy. That's another uh, uh, another example of you know awesome music versus annoying pretension. Because I, I saw um, uh, interviews with him, and he still just, like, keeps so true to that, you know, anti-corporate stuff, which I respect in a way, but, like, uh, he's saying, you know, uh, he was talking about uh, when he first got a computer, and he's like, so I Googled, oh, I'm sorry, I performed an internet search on this, and uh, he, he refuses to <laughs> use the company's name as a verb. Really? Says, Come on, you're not going to use the word Google as a verb? Nah. Anyway, that, that, that gave me some douche chills, but... Uh, <laughs> douche yeah. chills. And uh, anyway, I'm still t- I'm still talking more than anyone. Please, uh, Alex, what have you been listening to? Tell us. Um, inspired. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> that goes without saying. Yeah. But um, I was inspired by your rants on punk rock, Austin, right. last uh, last two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, I'm kind of sad to say that I don't really know a lot about one genre specifically. Like, I know a little about a lot of genres. And it's kind of what's sort of what's uh, an effect of being a music fan in the internet age. Like, I know all the classic records of so many genres, but I don't really know a whole, like, I don't have a mastery knowledge of one. So I decided I was going to, like, know everything there is to know about, like, C86 music, and how it evolved into twee pop, into jangle pop, into indie pop. Because mm-hmm. that's basically what I know the most about. So it's a good starting off point. Right. And um, I listened to one of my favorite records of all time to start it off. And I consider it the white light, white heat of indie pop, or of C86 kind of music. I'm very um, curious to hear what this is. The Pastels Sitting Pretty. Oh, okay. I, I could. I, I never listened to that album. I've heard tracks, but I, I could see that, yeah. It is incredibly, incredibly noisy and chaotic for a C86 kind of band. Like, I would almost classify it as, like, noise pop more than C86. Um, uh, C86 is those, the NME comps, if they were, uh, right? Yeah, the, it's named after the compilation that they put out. And they gave it out for free. And basically all those bands on the C86 uh, 
cassette. They were called C86, and all the bands influenced by them, they were C86. Right. Um, and, go ahead. Um, yeah, so it's an incredible record uh, where, like, twee pop has a cutesy kind of charm, and indie pop has a sunshiny kind of charm. Sin Pretty has this, like, rough and tumble sort of aggression to it, which is really cool. Um, so... Um, if you don't like indie pop, but you like White Light, White Heat, you're probably going to like it a lot. So I highly recommend that. White Light, White Heat is actually, and it has been for a couple of years, my favorite album of all time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've never listened to the thing in full. I'll have to uh, give that a shot. And you something which I'm, you know, very familiar with, which is saying, okay, I'm going to sit down with a computer and headphones, and I'm going to master a genre and I'm going to know oh, everything God. that there is to know about that genre. And I've done <laughs> that multiple times. Um, and there's stuff like, you know, uh, when you're bored over the summer, you're like, I'm going to listen to every Chill Wave record ever made. Ever made. And I did. And, why? You know, um, I don't know. I was just bored, and it was summertime, and I figured, why the hell not? And, I mean, you can do that in a few weeks. But, like, something with, you know, like, uh, like a complete working, functioning knowledge of punk rock which is something that you know it's you know equivalent to like a master a master's thesis because it's it so is. vast and so you like know theory of the universe yeah so influential and um uh, it's something I've been working on for a couple of years trying to you know just you know get like a super unification of what punk rock is and I've done the same uh, a little bit probably a little bit more successfully with noise rock since it's a little bit more you know compact and, and condensed yeah what and, you got uh, for that. Uh, what do you mean? Like, origin-wise, like... Uh, well, like, it all yeah. goes back to noise music in general. Uh, 1913. Uh, Luigi... Oh, God. Uh, Luigi... <laughs> that, that's, 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 that's irrelevant. <laughs> Have you heard that record? Luigi Russoli? R- Russolo? Some, R- Luigi Russolo. Technically, it's not a record. It's a wax cylinder. True, but, you know... An album, if you will. The 78. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I actually have a 78 back here somewhere. But, um, uh, yeah, Noise Rock, there's so many, what I, what I call, like, fluke bands. Like, um, uh, I guess... Even uh, Hendrix. Sort of. I mean, that's, that's 70s, though. Or, yeah, like, that Electric Ladyland had, like, had... had fucking a lot of like noisy like lsd influenced like wank wankery you know mm-hmm. uh there's there's a lot of like 60s and sometimes 70s uh fluke bands that are just like these one-off bands that make these absolutely insane and you know ahead of their time records that you know nobody finds until later and you know so many bands are influenced by them like there's one called the gods which are, uh, I don't know if anybody's heard of them, but uh, they're, they just, it was one of those things that they didn't know how to play their instruments at all, and it was just, you know, like, we're going to make insane noise rock, and they did, and it was, you know, way ahead of its time, and, um, of course, the Velvet Underground is the best example, like I said, um, uh, White Light, White Heat, which is, you know, it has Sister Ray and uh, I Heard Her Call My Name, and both of those are, you know, like, experiments and just feedback punk, which is... And it was from 1967, so it's, you know, also way ahead of its time. And even on the first Velvet Underground album, uh, European Sun and um, Heroin, which is, in my opinion, the first ever noise pop song, uh, it's got... Yeah, you know, yeah, that, that crescendo, like... 
and then the, like the noise chaos. burst in between. Uh, yeah, I see that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, tracking uh, and this is what RYM is made for. Rate your music because they have uh, year by year, day by day listed every release that could be called you know tangentially noise rock or influential to noise rock listed. And I just go through that list, and you know it's a couple hundred things long, and see you know which of those things I can find, you know which uh, uh, chronologically which of those things I can find and listen to, and it's a good way to you know like educate yourself on uh, a genre, especially if it's a small one like Chill Wave or like um, uh, Noise Pop. I did it with too, and like sort of more uh, uh, poppy shoegaze, I guess. But yeah, that's a that's a, a good time killer if you're ever looking for one. Just completely, you know, immerse yourself in one genre for a while. And it's really what I've done with black metal over the past uh, couple weeks. I've yeah, just... I've tried the same thing too. It's been difficult because you just have like mayhem, and then you have like all this other stuff, and then it's just really hard to not be like a mayhem purist. Like after that, like post like Bathory sort of shit, you know. Well, there's the first wave, which is which is Bathory and Sarcophago and you know yeah. early Necrophagia and stuff like that, and then there's um, the second wave, who are the people who are listening to Bathory. Second wave being the uh, Norwegian folks. Yeah. And there's I, I will say this about black metal. Uh, there's a lot of black metal. There is not a lot of good black metal. But exactly. once you find good black metal, it's like oh my god, this is completely a revelation. Like. There's not a lot of what I was looking for originally in black metal is like stuff that is mayhem like um yeah I'm just looking for that, more mayhem that like, stuff that's yeah. like um uh very sort of blast beat and not so atmospheric more related to hardcore punk than anything um it's still the nice chords still the 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 grooves I don't know like right yeah like like a good good chord choice and that's like that's when it stems from the church and like using that sort of or like that pastoral feel like when you're playing these really dark riffs right yeah. and it's not uh that especially that pastoral feel I, I don't think it's as uh evident in mayhem but the yeah yeah especially atmospheric bands like uh that's what i shifted my focus to after the you know hyper aggressive you know sort of blast first think second bands like mayhem and yeah. marduk and um, I guess Dark Throne too, but Dark Throne had—they were one of the originators of that super atmospheric tremoloed uh, open chord sound. And I, I, I love think that the, stuff. the perfect distillation of that is their album Transylvanian Hunger, um, which is I think it's their third or fourth album. And it's that's that in my mind is sort of the distillation of what like black metal, you know, traditional black metal is. And, okay. you know, it's got the, the black and white cover, the dude with corpse paint, the logo. And then everything on that album is just, you know, it's that shimmery, atmospheric, uh, almost classical, like, or romantic in a sense, the the chord changes. Right. Yeah. And uh, that was weird. But, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess, of course, you know, for the, the super atmospheric stuff, Burzum... And it always interests me that Burzum, one of you know the highest you know uh, rated black metal bands of uh, arguably ever, is so uh, like strangely atmospheric as opposed to you know the hyper aggressive metal that you think uh, that you know people normally rate uh, relate black metal culture with, and it is it's almost almost ambient music just just barely. I mean, not Varg, Varg sat in prison and just made ambient music. 
I, I, I'm never going to listen to those albums. I, 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 I the Gummo soundtrack, they, they have that one song that's 22 minutes long or something. Uh, well, one of them is on, um, uh, uh, one of them is on, uh, what's it called? Uh, Hvis, uh, whatever it's called, Hvis Ot something. Uh, and then one of them is, uh, uh, one called Tom Height, which is the 14 minute one. And then one is on Philosophem, and that's the 22 minute one, which is like Rude Gang, Um Die, Transcendental, something. Yeah. I'm reading on my iTunes. But, uh. It's, it, it amazes me that in a culture that's so obsessed with, you know, uh, insane darkness and, you know, aggressive, aggressive, aggressive black metal and, you know, blast beating, that, you know, a band uh, that is so ambient and atmospheric would rise to the top. Uh, that, that does my heart good to know that the metalheads can, can appreciate something like that. Well, it might have been cultural. It might have been Varg killing Euronymous because he wanted to take control of the metal scene and the culture, and he might have succeeded in that. You know, uh, that's uh, just a hypothesis. True. Uh, I mean, it's it's as likely as anything. I, I don't take anything that guy says at face value, but um, it's. I like that an album that's so weird, but that is so good, can be taken for an album that is so good instead of just one that is really weird and uh yeah. in the metal community i'm guessing that's not uh not not common anyway i like that jesus christ i've had three straight rants on three straight podcasts about black metal you twisted right, my discussion yeah. of indie pop into black metal yeah i know that's happens. what happens when you listen to a lot of black metal you just turn it like you start <laughs> listening to indie pop and you just go to black metal uh, it's it's like how everything will eventually turn into Death Grips discussion, which I'm I'm open to talk about because I'm so excited, so excited for the new album. Anyway, Alex, Alex, tell us what you've been listening to more. Well, continuing from the discussion of how RYM is so uh, important and uh, great in learning about genres, um, <laughs> I uh, ran down the list of twee pop bands. And the names of these bands have no subtlety whatsoever. They're so twee. It's unbelievable. Oh, I'm excited for this. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> the Gentle Waves, Ghost <laughs> Sailor, The Softies, The Cardigans, All Girls Summer Fun Band, Dressy Bessie, Language of Flowers, My Little Airport, Strawberry Story, Tender Forever, Afternoon Naps, The Smittens, Bunny Grunt, Marshmallow Kisses, 63 Crayons, and Hello Seahorse. <laughs> and I love every one of them. Yo, I I, I love the pussies. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> Oof. Those, some of those were pretty brutal. Oh, lordy. What there, was there's the, no subtlety whatsoever. The Marshmallow, the marshmallow what Kisses. Fuck. The Marshmallow Kisses. <laughs> that one's the best. Uh. What other kind of music could they possibly make with a name like that? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I'm looking through them now. They're it's great, aren't stuff. they? Good Marine man. Girls. That's that's sickening. Uh, <laughs> I wish that hadn't yeah. happened. Black metal, please. <laughs> I mean, okay. there are probably just as many uh, terrible black metal names I could read, or at least death metal bands. Um... Oh, uh, just you know, the complete stories. opposite. Yeah. But uh, all right. So, Alex, you listen to anything else this week? 
Yeah, and I have one other album to report. Um, I, this is an album that I really should have listened to a long time ago, seeing as how I bought the CD but never listened to it. Um, but the album is The Books, The Way Out. Ooh, it's good. It is really, 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 really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the intro track is so good. It, like as soon as I heard that when it was done, I was five thousand percent like on board with the rest of the album. It's just so good. Mm. Have you heard the new Zumuto album? Because I have not. I have not, and and I this is my first books album too. So I was going. I'm trying to educate myself with the books before I listen to Zumuto. But according to um, Steve and Nick, it's supposed to be really, really good. Uh, yeah, it's Nick's album of the year, and it's March. So, there's nothing I mean, wrong with that. Yeah, there's everything wrong with that, you sick bastard. There's nine months in this there's nine months in this year left. How can you how can you call it? How can you? Julia Julia Julie Holter can't be that good, can she? I'm seeing her live uh next month. Well try to try not to cream your jeans. Uh oh. That that can only end some trouble. Mm-hmm. He's he's gonna pull a Mark David Chapman. We know it's gonna happen. <laughs> I wonder if you oh. can. Pod- I wonder if you can podcast from jail. Did you guys know that uh, John Lennon sort of sensed that Mark David Chapman was going to kill him? Do you guys know this? The story behind this? Uh, uh no, no. Okay, Do tell. so Mark David Chapman, he has the record uh, "Double Fantasy." I think that was the last uh, Lennon record that he put out when he was alive. And then he got him to sign it, uh, John Lennon to sign it. And then after John Lennon handed it back to Mark David Chapman. Uh, Mark David Chapman just stood there and he started staring at him. And then uh, John Lennon's like, do you want something more from me? I feel like you want something more from me. <laughs> David's like, oh, no, no, no. And then he came back and shot him uh, later that day. Isn't that really creepy? Yes, he, yes, he it is. You should have listened to him. He, he yeah. knew that that guy was going to be important somehow. It's so creepy. <laughs> you brought the podcast down. Now we're thinking about death. Death metal. <laughs> oh, I forgot Mark was here. That's the first noise he's made okay. this episode. Mark. No, I was ha- I was having a nap. I just woke okay. up. Okay, you're having a black metal nap. Why yeah. don't you Why don't you indulge us as to what you've been listening to? Um, I guess the main thing I've listened to in the past week was uh, Danny Brown. Me too. Oh, nice. Yeah, same. Yeah, I never really. Uh, I never really caught on to uh, or bothered to listen to any of all that hip-hop that came out last year that everyone was raving about, so figure better late than never to catch up on it. So, uh, yeah, been listening to, well, Triple X and, uh, and The Hybrid. They're, uh, they're both pretty solid, I think. Uh, especially Triple X. I was... It's so weird because that is actually I listened to that uh, in full yesterday for the first time. It's a very odd that you bring it up. And uh, I was also, believe it or not, educating myself on 2011 hip hop. Uh, yeah, that's that's very yeah. Weird. So I have I have some of the other stuff queued up like uh, Kendrick Lamar and Shabazz Palaces. Oh, how have you not listened to Kendrick Lamar yet? You're you're in for a treat, sir, because that yeah, is yeah, that is a fantastic nice. album. What about Shabazz Palaces? I rank them higher than Stephen Malkmus, if you can believe that. I can't. They were number six. You're lying. <laughs> you're lying to me. Um, wait, Shocking off. 
Did did Stephen Malkmus have an album last year? I don't even know. Yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah, it was really, really good. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. I'm sure you're not <laughs> at all lying to me. You're it was yeah. better than any Slashville album ever. Though. Um, oh God, we can't talk about Malkmus anymore. That's all we ever talk about. Your Malkmus is tearing this podcast apart, and I'm Hold the on, first person to ever. I'm, I'm the first person to ever say that sentence. Um, okay, anyway. Uh, I also listened to Danny Brown. I also enjoyed it. and uh, I love that. I love that mixtape. People say I hate his voice. I love his voice. I like it. Yeah. He has so much personality. He does. And not in a dumb way like ASAP Rocky. In a good way like Danny Brown. You listen to it and, and you know that it's him. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of unmistakable. There's this thing, um, uh, it's the, oh, I don't even know. It's the XXL Freshman 2012. Uh, let me see. It's this magazine called XXL, and they take, you know, these up-and-coming rappers, which is weird because Danny Brown had an album in 2010, and they, you know, just do, uh, like, a, a contest or something. And it's, uh, uh, let's see, Hobson. Does anybody know Hobson? No. 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 Uh, there's uh, a couple other people. And there's just like, you know, these sort of, you know, frat boy, you know, unibrowed, mouth-breathing, dumbass rappers. And then there's Danny Brown. And like, I've talked about this before with rappers. Nobody, nobody likes good rappers for the right reasons nowadays. Uh, and it's the same, you know, same reason Odd Future got so popular. And, well, rap, yeah. rap's a cultural thing. It's it's more cultural for a lot of people than it is music-wise or lyric-wise. That's you know, like, true. People, people like a rapper because the rapper is like, you know, rap like rock way back in the day defines what's cool. And if the rapper's real cool, then he's gonna like people are going to like him. And with Odd Future, you got with this revolution of the new cool or whatever, and then ASAP's trying to chase the tail of that. Yeah. So. Danny Brown just seems like a genuinely nice guy, though. I mean, he's 30 years old. He's he's lived, you know? He knows a lot more than these, like, young up-and-coming rappers. So his lyrics and everything is just going to be a lot cooler. Or not cooler. Wrong word. A lot of... <laughs> they're, they're, they're all about oral sex. Well, Danny Brown. Yeah, I, I, love, I love I Will. I put that shit on at parties. It's it's the funniest song just to throw <laughs> on. It's so disorienting, but it, the, the bass in the track still gets people dancing. It's the funniest thing. I'm just so happy that a rapper can be that weird and still gain uh, like a, a good enough cult following. Thank um, Das Racist. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, and I mean, Das Racist, I would say, aren't aren't that like totally psychedelic, but they are like weird and quirky. They're, they're weird. They're the they paved the way for for weirdo rappers and also like intellectual referential rappers too. Like, I don't think they paved the way for it. I think that was like you know like bus driver and stuff like that. But I think they were a big part of, especially. The I, last I never, I never years. heard a bus driver. Never even heard a single reference to bus driver up until like up until Milo started talking about bus driver in that one interview he had with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I remember that slightly. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah, I, I had heard some tracks from him before, and uh, he. I I hate to speak ill of the man, but he is in some cases, kind of annoyingly pretentious. Bus driver, not Milo. Um, yeah, manifesto? No, I don't think he has a manifesto, but 
he is very he wants to, he wants to make sure you know how verbose he is like he knows a lot of big words and if you don't know that you will soon because he's going to say them very loudly uh and the songs are you know good enough uh he tends to have like a, a very sort of like sing-song goofy voice style of presenting uh his songs too which I was never a fan of and it's also sort of zany, which is usually not my favorite adjective for describing. So it's not it. very accessible. I mean, at least to a to a large culture, or not not especially no. But uh, in terms of you know like uh, you know very sort of hyper intellectual you know reference yeah, rap music, he's he's been doing it since the '90s. And of course, you know there have been you know others like no, uh, I don't know, I, I I don't know off the top of my head, but I. Uh, Intellectual hip hop, you know, on the whole, has been going on for for a, a while. Uh, but I think when that happens, it loses a lot of the sort of aesthetical aggression that hip hop has. And not not like uh, see what I always loved about hip hop is it, 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 it turns up in Danny Brown too. It's just sort of uh, unchanneled aggression. Like they use the phrase "you" a lot, but they're never they're never talking to people, which is which is I love. Like you know, they're saying. Screw you! I hate you. You is nobody, which I which I love about you know sort of just unbridled, un un you know uh, personified aggression, which is you know a, instead of you know completely personified you know egocentrism, which is something that's also very common. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's way like, like that's why I don't like a lot of old yeah. school hip hop because it's too like look at me, I'm on the microphone. It's just kind of like all right, dude, I know you're rapping to me right now and your verses are great, but stop <laughs> rapping about your verses and actually create verses. Like, you know, that's just my little beef with my beef against, against early hip hop. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the, the genre of hip hop and the concept of it, which is, you know, minimal musical backing and then a person, one single person saying everything, saying a lot of words just leads itself directly into, you know, being very egocentric. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Do you have uh, something to... Do you, do you disapprove, Mark? No, I don't disapprove. That was an yeah. agreeing... Hmm. Okay. Well, folk music is basically <laughs> that. Folk right. music. Well, it is It is sort of, but... Uh, Hold I, up. <laughs> well, it is what? that. It is a, a man and his guitar. Um, yeah, well, yeah, but that's well, just... A man and his guitar is, like... Doing poetry, you know, it's it, there's is I mean, I was listening to a lot of Woody Guthrie today, who paved the way for folk music, and it is the most selfless protest music. It's socialist music, you know. It's it has nothing to do with egocentricism. Uh, but I think that the concept, like, uh, all right. So, it, it, I think it has to do with with choice of words. And a volume of words that you are you are saying, like a folk song is meant to be short and you know melodic and to the point, and it's a you know a sort of minimalist in the sense that it's a small poem, you know, saying something in a few yeah, yeah. couplets. Well, I that think could be argued too. Right, I mean, right. Desolation Row is like thirteen minutes long. Well, I mean that that's one song out of thousands, though. Mm. Uh, but uh, hip hop is the opposite, like. The, they the songs are you know generally longer and they are you know the the thing is to just cram as many verses in there as you can to say the most you know to say the most words that you can and I think that leads itself more directly to you know not self-expression but uh, I mean 
Well, like like self-expression as opposed to expression. Uh, it could also have to do with black identity in America and black culture. I mean, that's a pretty controversial subject, but a lot of it could be sort of an assertion of cultural influence, like through like explicit communication of this is me doing this. This is because a lot, you know, most deaf is very uh, he's very, you know, nationalistic about his culture, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, think I, don't mean to, pod, I, don't, I, think, I don't mean to steer it in that direction. But. I think this podcast is too white to start talking about Afrocentrism, so um, we should probably move on. But uh, uh, Mark, is there anything else you like to mention? You only you only mentioned one album, and I feel guilty about that because me and Evan are destroying everything right now. So please, you truly see. are. I mean, that's why you had me come on here, right? Sure. <laughs> um, been listening to a band called Sea Lions. They're also a tweet pop band. I've heard of them. You couldn't guess. Have you heard them? I have not heard. Uh, wait, did they release a free album last or a couple years ago? No. Uh, it was released in like 2011 on uh, Slumberland. I've I've read about them, but I haven't listened to the album. Yeah, I don't know. It's nice tweet pop. I, I I'm drawn to that sound. Slumberland is a great record label. I don't. Oh, they're one of my favorites. I think. I'll probably if a band puts something out on Slumberland, chances are that I'll listen to it just because it goes out on Slumberland. They're one of those labels that I really like. It's a seal of approval. Yeah. Well, they have a lot of them. Their bands. They have such a consistent sound. Almost. I yeah. Find. Totally. Just from what I've listened to, um, Sl- like there were, oh, yeah, like a couple albums I loved last year. That new, uh, that new pains of being pure at heart. Um, that was great. Uh, Crystal the, Stilts. That Crystal Stilts album I love too. They're just all. They do kind of all have a similar sound, which I like. So yeah, been listening to Sea Lion some. Um. What else? Sea lions. Some built to spill. Ooh, Some nice. Unicorns. Still not you to listen. It's 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 um Unicorn Watch 2012 for Austin Curley, and this is week three of have not listened to the unicorns. I have to keep mentioning it every <laughs> yeah. podcast now on. Which, let's just have a counter for every I'll week that uh, for every week that I have not listened to the unicorns, I will donate no money to charity. And Can I finally... drop a bomb on this podcast? All right, go ahead. You guys are all going to be blown away. All right. I have never listened to an Odd Future song all the way through in my entire life. Oh, damn. I just heard that new mixtape. I, I just <laughs> downloaded the new mixtape. Check it out. No you know, it's it's, it's decent. Tyler's lyrics are just off the wall, the kind of stuff you got on the last stuff. And it's, it's great. It's hilarious. But I Damo, Haji... All those guys are just, they're just lame, and they're just chasing Tyler's tail. Like, they're just, they're, and, but Tyler's rarely even on the thing. And Frank Ocean has a few good tracks on it, too, but, uh, check it out, you know, form your own opinion of it, but, um, it's, it's not as bad as everyone thinks it's gonna be everyone who's, you know, smart about music, you know? Uh, I think, (sighs) have you listened to it, Austin? I've I've heard uh, most of it. I'm I got like three tracks to listen to now, but um, 
the I think the reason um, uh, I have stopped listening to Odd Future is not because so many people uh, have started listening to them, but because so many people I hate have started listening to them. Oh God, yeah. And I I know that's like a hipster thing to say, but like every that's another it's another thing of you know people not recognizing why something is good like huh he raps about rape and stuff and murders yeah but he Ugh. demands he he, he he executes an aesthetic like perfectly he can you know like dream up these 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 sort of atmospheric horror movie type beats and you know make appropriate lyrics to suit that perfectly and um but he also think, talks about eating Lunchables pizza and like Pop Tarts and like a really childish things. But he also talks about these really heady themes. Not he heady, a, but like he is a child. Like he, he's so he's immature. He is a child. But he's so articulate. He acts like a child. Yeah, <laughs> from what um, I can see. Yeah. yeah, in 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 one of his interviews, I was watching today. Confession, I was watching. I went on the the you know string of. YouTube videos of Odd Future just to update myself. Oh, one of the videos was uh, he um, like this. Uh, I think it was Peter Rosenberg from like Hot ninety seven. It was just yeah. Like, I think I did, was that the one with Earl on it. Yeah, 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 with Earl. And, yeah, and, I just and watched he, that he yesterday. Asked, he asked Tyler. He's he's just like so. Tyler, it must be weird having like uh, people coming up to you like asking you like like these fans that are crazy about you like asking you for all this stuff. And he's just like like someone's gonna come up to me and like. Not even know my birthday. They're not gonna know my birthday. Like, and then he real actually fans know my birthday. Like, real fans know my birthday. It was hilarious. Oh. Yeah, he's he's and those crazy. Children have a TV show. I know it's gonna be terrible. People are calling it like a mixture between the Chappelle Show and Jackass, but that's that's totally. Both of them are completely brilliant, and they're not. They're just Odd Future's not capable of a Jackass or a Chappelle Show. It's just they're I they're cashing in and God bless them for doing it. But uh, or Tyler's I, cashing in and everyone else is coming along. I think you know Adult Swim is also cashing in. Um, like that, like mm-hmm. that, that. I mean, if there's anything that uh, that station needs, it's less artistic integrity now, because yeah. you know after endless Family Guy and American Dad reruns, what you want to do is watch you know dumb kids you know hit themselves in the balls, which I think is probably the plot of the show. Um, but. Uh, I'm just a dog. Yeah. Quick question for the podcast. Yeah. If you had a one band, if you could name one band, no, if you could give one band a TV show, what band would it be? Hmm. Well, going back, I would watch the I would watch the Das Racist TV show. Yeah, I would too. They're smart. Yeah, that would be. I would do of Montreal. That would be really. Montreal would be great too. Kevin Barnes is really smart too. He is. Uh. I could watch, uh, hey, a while ago I would have said Henry Rollins, but we know how that worked out. <laughs> it worked out terrible. Uh, yeah. I would watch Fucked Up, mostly Ooh. just for Damien. Well, he's got a, he's got a... He, he actually is the, host of a, he's the host of a TV show here in Canada. Right. It's, uh, it, well, it's called The Wedge. Um, yeah. Basically, the... The premise behind the show is that he hosts an hour-long show. They play videos of, I don't know, lesser-known music. Yeah, it's stuff that 
a lot of stuff that I like. I used to watch it some, but it used to be on at 10 p.m. on Wednesday nights. Then they bumped it to, like, the middle of the night sometime, and now I don't know when it's on, so... Is it true that in Canada, you could uh, a certain amount of material on the air has to be Canadian? Yeah. Yep. It's, it's bizarre. That's true, and that's true for, like, I think probably all, even all radio stations. Yeah, I've heard that. That's I why think... some... That's why some forty one is so huge over there. Really, that sucks. <laughs> it's like seventy percent, or what's the percentage? I I don't know what the percentage is, but it. I think it's a, it's a fairly substantial amount. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's over fifty. There's a lot of great Canadian music, though. So I mean, there's Drake. You know, everyone loves Drake. You know. Most radio plays in. Most radio stations play shit anyway, whether it's Canadian or not. So yeah. it doesn't really make a difference. I'm still not going to listen to them. It's a good it's excuse a to play Godspeed, though. That would be amazing. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard a radio station play Godspeed. That would be so awesome. We have a, we have a, the local college radio station has the post rock block, and they they've been known to play a Godspeed track or two, and uh, I think. Uh, uh, All right, great. Hold on one second, sir. Yo, no that's problem. My sorry, my yeah. came what the fuck, dude? <laughs> sorry, sorry. What is he listening to? Ask him. Yeah, yeah. What are you listening to? Yeah, you decided to play music randomly while having a music <laughs> podcast. What are you listening to? <laughs> I was going to a uh, top list of iTunes. Sorry. Oh god, top, top list of iTunes. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What is my oh, everyday hate. life like? This is why I go on the forum. Of Evan's roommate. <laughs> this is why I go on the forum, guys. <laughs> lame streamers are so lame stream. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we get to be all hipster. <laughs> Sorry. Um. No, I was trying to find a song. Shh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry about that. No problem. No, no. It's the power of editing. I, I like laughing at people. Right, yeah. Right. I do too. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to Odd Future. I think uh, one of the reasons it bothers me so much is that people view it as sort of the the be all end all of you know what you know hip hop music is. It's like you know, oh, this is it's Odd Future. It's what I'm going to be listening to 50 years from now. This is you know it it's indelible music that's made a mark on the culture. So you know, so can you imagine okay. a 70 year old listening to Odd Future? Nope. Oh my god. Um, but uh, the the thing is like. It, people don't want to admit it, but they will go away eventually. But th- they can serve as like a conduit to, to like MF Doom, MF to, Doom. Yeah, I mean. yeah. Like that's, I hate to say it, and I, I mean I listened to MF Doom before, but when I first heard Odd Future, like I, I listened to Bastard when it first came out. It was you know one of my first real initiation into, like complete weirdo rap. Like I listened to Nas and stuff like that, and the classics, and I liked hip hop. But uh, you know, like I, I, I had not listened to you know the complete you know sort of freaks of it uh, until I sort of realized what you know could be done with it, like with Odd Future. And I think and I'm going to say this on the whole: Bastard is way, way more consistent than Goblin, and a lot better. It it's it's hard to be more consistent when the things like however fucking long it is. It's long and way um, too fucking long. Yes, yes it is. 
Uh, anyway, yeah, and uh, like people often, I think, don't treat it as a conduit to, uh, you know, better music than than what Odd Future is. And I mean, I I'm fine to listen to it, and I'll I'm fine to listen to it regularly. But like that, and only that has no substance. Well, it's it's yeah. it's, a, it's a Twitter hashtag that they can use to get more followers. Like they just like it's like. It's a cultural thing. It's it's not a music thing, you know. And that's why Pitchfork did it. It's because the, mu- the music is good. Yeah, it's One of decent. my biggest problems with Pitchfork is that they hype up these bands like Odd Future and London Del Rey, and then they pan them. Like, oh, we had no idea that the record was going to be terrible, even though we yeah. gave her so much coverage. Yeah, it's, it, it's like, where is their spine? Yeah. Where is their grounding? I, well, I mean, they it's a corporation. They don't have one. I mean, but that's... even even from the beginning, actually, from the, it's really interesting seeing how idiosyncratic they were, like from the very beginning, and in the, they're up to now, and they still have preserved some idiosyncrasies, but they're they're corporate. Yeah, they're trying to make a profit, and it's just it's interesting. I've got no problem with that. I mean, just as long as you, I, I'm gonna say, read individual reviews. Don't I wouldn't say look into it as much as like a whole entity or just as one person well, because it's not really. My it, exists, with that, it exists to get views. My problem with that is that a lot of kids, they only read Pitchfork for their music news. And Those Pitchfork, people are dead I wish I knew more Pitchfork I, in high school. Yeah. <laughs> Those people are scum. The problem is that Pitchfork, they sell themselves as the alternative to the mainstream, like Rolling Stone and Spin, but they're just it, as bad. Yeah, they aren't really bad anymore. Yeah. I think we can agree that the only good music website is your personal opinion is wrong. Absolutely. And the needle drop is okay. The needle drop. It's it's old times. I mean, he's Especially got a new house. Old. Like, I I, oh, yeah. I I remember his videos when he was in his old house. Like, you know, in the basement. No big deal. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I just have one point. Yeah. What Austin, what Austin said about why he didn't like our future because so many people he hates like them. Yeah, we have all to hold that against him now, do we? No, all it did was remind me of probably my favorite lyric ever from it's from a Sloan song, Coax Me. And the lyric is it's not the band I hate, it's their fans. Right. I keep hear I hear that. I just think it's so true in a lot of cases. It just reminded me of that. I mean, it is true, like the same, you know, you know, you know, guys on the lacrosse team who are listening to Waka Flocka and, you know, Wiz Khalifa in one month are listening to Odd Future the next. And it's like you said, it's it's just like a mindless cultural thing, which bums me out because it's a wasted yeah, opportunity it, it for feels, some dumb people to listen to good music. It's kind of completely disconnected from the music. And that's another thing. Like, uh, some people, it's all about, you know, the exploits of the band. Like, they've seen all these, you know, videos of, you know, Tyler and the live shows and everything and not actually listen to a song. Or even just, like, listen to Yonkers and that's it. Yeah. Well, Odd Future could nowhere be as big as they are now without the internet. Like, they have, they sell an image. They they have the Tumblr blog and they have, Same with Kid A, you know? That that, that uh, record Kid A would not have been big if it wasn't for the internet. Or that's just, true. It, it got really bad reviews when it first came out. Yeah, it was because the internet counterculture. Because counterculture gravitated towards the internet way back when. And yeah. here we are, you know. On a podcast. On the internet. Did it yeah. really get 
We're going like, meta. That bad of reviews? It got mixed reviews, like, because a lot of the rock critics listen to it, and they're like, oh, it's commercial suicide. Well, yeah. Going. They're pro like, after OK Computer, I'm sure they're like, what the hell is this? Yeah, but, like, a <laughs> lot of bands in that era, they went electronic, and it, like, was terrible. Especially a lot of mainstream rock bands like Bush and Smashing Pumpkins. Bright Eyes. And Bright Eyes. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, I'm going to talk crap about Bright Eyes all I want, sir. Well, all right, you can talk crap about People's Key, Casadega, but you can't talk crap about um, Wide Awake It's Morning, Digital Ash, Digital Urn. Um, actually, those two records, and then before then, he kind of got lame. He was lame. I like a no. You gotta. It's 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 a twenty two year old thing. Maybe maybe it's not a not your generation or something. But hey, sir, I I <laughs> look. I maybe it's it's about outside. it's about good <laughs> lyrics and folk minimalism. Listen there's, to there's me. There's a certain feeling that you on get the in, from on the outside. I'm a sixteen year old boy, but on the inside, on the inside, I'm, on the inside, I'm a seventy five year old man named Herman. I am an old soul. I'm the <laughs> definition of old soul. And uh, that 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 band is just they they reek of Death Cab for Cutie to me. Oh no! There I said it. Please. All right, all right. Oh, we we can we can we can. See, you know, that's just... another reason of uh, I, why I both dislike the the band and the fans because I know so many indie with a Y kids because um, vowels. The are culture crazy. versus the music. Another one of these. I got you. I understand. I hated Bright Eyes up until I actually... I hated Animal Collective. I hated Radiohead. I hated all these people up until I actually really divorced the culture from the music and sat in my own little isolated place and listened to the music. Believe it's, me, ask you a question. So that's, a really, that's a tough thing to do a lot of times. Well, believe you me, that's that, I'm no stranger to that. That's how I listened to hip-hop, because I listened to nothing but punk rock for years, and then uh, it's just like, hip-hop... Just a bunch of, you know, uh, drug-addled uh, urban youths just, you know, <laughs> rapping their rhymes. Their Damn, youths. exactly the same mentality. And I was just like, hey, look, listen to the song and realize how much of these words you don't understand. And then you start to like, oh, they're they're smart people. Which, and, and believe me, I'm no stranger to divorce, divorcing, you know, music culture from music. But I could not do the same with Bright Eyes, and that's probably just because I don't like Bright Eyes. Evan, can I ask you a question? Yeah. No. Yes. When you said you hated Animal Collective and Radiohead, what music were you listening to when you were you're in that period? All right. This this is gonna have a weird answer to it. Um, I uh, my whole family is into Appalachian old time music, which is what preceded like bluegrass music. Oh, I've heard you talk about this. To when I was in high school, I would just constantly play the fiddle and the mandolin all the time, and all I was into was just learning more fiddle tunes and mandolin tunes. And all of a sudden, like, you know, I was just, like, chilling with people, trying to talk about music, and I realized the only way of doing that is by learning these, like, who these bands are, and eventually I started to like them, but I had to sort of, it was funny, it's like, I was culturally inclined, yet I needed to separate the culture from the music to actually appreciate it. It was weird, but, and then it be, and then I was able to have some cultural relevancy to what I was saying. It's a really weird thing, but... Yeah, but yeah, I was I was I was just playing a lot of music and not really concerned with I mean I was into Jeff Beck, Joe Satriani, Steve Vai. Um, oh, I've been there, believe you me, I've been there. Yeah, and and yeah, that's I that, that just goes with being just learning guitar, 
um, Chopin, Learning Piano, uh, Rachmaninoff, all that stuff. You know, I was just it was purely musicians' music, and then I started enjoying listening to music and not just playing it. And yeah, so that's so right right now I'm I'm listening and I'm playing and enjoying it. So yep, that's very interesting. Yeah, so are you guys are musicians? Uh, I am. I. Hey. You play guitar. guitar you're, you're, you're learning, right? I yeah, learn. yeah. I remember that thread you created a while ago about <laughs> was, changing the strings on your guitar. <laughs> I was so mad that day. I was so mad that day. <laughs> yeah, my bad for calling you out on that. <laughs> no, no, no. You're completely in the right to do so. Yeah. Uh, Mark, do you play instruments? Can't play a fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> you can probably jam on a triangle, right? Yeah, I should go buy one. Maybe a Just tambourine. Just download Fruity Loops, bro. <laughs> Just, like, I know that sentence has been tossed around a lot, but it's a competent program, and I will defend it to my death. I, I will, too. I'm with you. I'm with you, Austin. It's called FL Studio now, which they, like, changed rapidly to save face. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Fruity Loops. <laughs> it so believe me. If you had, If you knew the people I did... Like, the endless stream of terrible FL Studio-made dubstep would just blow your mind. Oh. Um, and, and, and it's like, all it's, other it's, it's, a, it's a comedy goldmine, really. Did uh, your friend... No, God, we can't talk about this. <laughs> Although, I will say, I will say that uh, I am, as of lately, uh, several requests to just make beats for various local rappers... One of whom I'm actually fairly interested in, so that that could be something that could be exciting, but not Protect that your beats, guy. Protect bro. Protect your no. beats, man. Nah, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Um, I, I, they're they're garbage anyway. They're just you know weird, you know, like space age pop stuff over a kick and a snare. But um, awesome. cloud rap, cloud I'm, rap. Yeah, there you go. It that stuff's you would. I'm joking. I I can tell you why it's so popular because it's so easy to make. You just slap some some reverb on it, and then slow it down a few uh, a few times, and you've got Clans yourself... Casino. <coughs> well, I mean, he does it the right way. There are plenty of people who do it the wrong way. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I do not even remember what in the hell we were talking about. With the funny thing is, we uh we usually have a topic on this show, and we've been talking <laughs> for an hour and eight minutes. And have not even finished. What are you listening to? Uh, but oh, yeah, I, we haven't gotten to you yet. Yeah, but that's the thing. I've been talking about what I've been listening to for an hour and eight minutes. Um, so I think it's probably not worth it to finish the segment. But I, I have been also, you know, um, uh, uh, learning up on my 2011 hip hop Kendrick, Shabazz, and Danny, who have grown to you know have an immense liking for. And what other hip hop from 2011 was? I, I feel like there was other shit. Well, Death Grips. Death, is, Death Grips. There it and, is. And uh, the Milo mixtape for me. Yeah. I Milo, like that. yeah, that was good. Uh, we. Uh, I'm gonna just grow some stones and ask like ask the guy on the podcast. It's become organized enough. Like we can chat for a while. Sure. Sure. In yeah, the meantime, can you guys uh, sell me Death Grips? Because I'm 
very obstinate about my dislike to Death Grips. Can you guys tell me what you like in them? Um, they sample uh, Sid Black Bear Flag. Pink Floyd. They sample Black Flag. Um, That's interesting. Uh, they sample Charles Manson. They sample Jane's Addiction. Also, um, they're good. Shut up and listen. <laughs> Shut I mean, up. I'm, you know, it's it's you have to bridge the sure. cultural gap before getting into the musical thing. There is no position. cultural gap. It's for it's for people like us. It's for the basement dwellers and the music nerds. That is true. It's so internet. It is yeah. So... Um. But uh. Yeah. That's uh. Uh. Another reason why people are uh taking on future the wrong way because it's not for the people who are listening to it it's for you know the 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 antisocial basement dwelling nerd which is like he has nothing for himself and you know he is having something made for himself and people are you know taking it and they're you know turning it into something that's not theirs anymore but i've talked about all this before what do you guys think of the uh, uh, the uh, I'm saying odd feature the Death Grips album cover? Did I love it. That? It's yeah, interesting. <laughs> it's yeah, interesting. It's, it's I don't the, know if it's ugly. Like it's it ugly, is ugly. It's, it's intentionally ugly. It's the but, perfect. It's a perfect it, album cover. Death Grips. It's a perfect major. Is what yeah. it is. It's what yeah. now? It's attention grabbing. Well, yeah, yeah. totally. People I, will I see that. Like, they'll be like, shock oh, what value? the hell is that? It's a guy I think with the tits. The Bloom album art is pretty good too, but everybody seems to hate it. Oh, with all but the what's dots. What's wrong with, with, the, with the dots? I, can't, yeah. I, I don't know why people are. I, I, I didn't have a problem with, with that. I think it was because Shuey said it was. Well, no, it wasn't Shuey. Who said it was? Mark hates it too. It I might have been Oplon. It's a bunch of dots. What's wrong with dots? What is it, wrong with I don't that? Know. It's too minimal to have any criteria. Like, like I said, I like, I like it better than Team Dream because I can actually see it. Hey, guess what? Another another bombshell such as the one Alex dropped on you before. Never listen to Beach House. Oh, I've only listened to. Never have. Never will. Probably. I've, I've only listened Dream to. Is amazing. Yeah, people keep album. saying that, but it's like, is it is it just like that? Just that you know, scourge of beach pop that's come out during you know the last couple of years. It's, it's not like best, best coast. coast. Yeah, is it like it's like best coast? Not, it's not like that at all. It's dream pop. Okay, because so like there's a lot of reverb. That's so, another thing. That's another in a thing. Good like way, though. that type of music has no permanence. Like that, Best Coast is gonna be here for. Yes. Long, it's not gonna be here forever. But I guess, like from what I hear, people are saying that that Teen Dream actually is like something that can can last. It's yeah. Timeless. Although I like Best Coast, so. Shut up. It's <laughs> our okay. life. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, well, you should be sorry because Best Coast is terrible. Anyway, uh, we should we should move on to whatever the su- I literally have no idea what the subject of this podcast is. <laughs> what are we gonna talk about? We had we're doing good. We're doing good. We are doing well. We were doing good just talking. Let's let's don't bring okay. it up that we have no. Yeah, topic. talking about talking is not a good conversation. Okay, I'm gonna call this bluff. Continue having a conversation. I dare oh, you. Oh shit. Oh man. Oh damn. And and you guys listen to D'Angelo's Voodoo while while I'm on the air. I have to I have to throw it out there. And you guys check that album out because I know D'Angelo is gonna be releasing a new album this year, and it's super relevant. What the hell are you talking about? I don't know what this is. D'Angelo. D'Angelo. I, I know about it, but I haven't listened to it. It's this minimalist R&B soul album. Like, 
Voodoo from like nine from nineteen ninety nine, and you gotta you gotta check it out. Um, and oh, today, he was a fellow who did stuff with Jay Dillo, was he not? Yeah, yeah, he's he's collaborated with Jay Dillo and Common, and um, a whole bunch of other artists. But just this one record is just him on a three piece kit, Pino Palladino on bass. He's singing, he's playing the Fender Rhodes, and he's got a guitar player in there, and that's just it. And it's just it's just a wonderful album. All right. Uh, yeah, check it out. That's 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 my album I listen to every week. So, yeah, my knowledge on R and B and soul is lacking to say the very least. But the album is so minimal. You don't need any knowledge of R and B and soul. You just it's just a really groovy album. Okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I'm into groove, so I'll check it out. Um, look at us pretending to be ethnic. No, it's not. It's not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. I, I, said, I understand, but that, that was a super relevant comment because all my black friends, like, I put it all when I was hanging out with them, and, and they all look at me and they're like, what are you trying to, like, pretend like you, like, like this? And I'm like, no, it's a legitimately good album. Did they like, really ask you that? Like, I will, they, I, they, they, they talked to my brother because, and, and, and they're like, yeah, uh, yeah, they said you were showing off in front of them. And I was just like, I wasn't showing off, like. I was I was actually putting on the album because I love listening to the album. Evan and I got into a discussion about Boney Bear's music being for white people, and <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, um, but it absolutely uh, is. Uh, uh, I don't know. That, that's why Kanye like brought in Boney Bear on my beautiful fantasy. Like, how exactly is it for white people? I don't I don't even know what that means. It's very. Yeah. It's like, I how can you not know what that means? Okay, okay. I'm not going to be the one to describe this for you. I don't yeah, believe. You can't that, define it because we're white. I don't believe that. Uh, I don't believe the the notes and the sounds that make Boney Bear's music is aimed for white people. I do not believe that. It's it's the image of Boney Bear, the whole wispy singer songwritery young hipster kind of guy. That works out. out in the woods after he breaks up with his girlfriend. And yeah, says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to say that I laughed at that SNL skit. Yeah. I didn't watch that SNL skit. Oh my god. I laughed at that when he came. <laughs> Justin Timberlake did him spot on. Uh, uh, going back to what um, uh, what Evan was saying, um, there's this show on uh, uh, Comedy Central now, which I do not like, called Key and Peele. Um, and it's this, like, it's just a complete ripoff of the Chappelle oh, I show. I hate that show so yeah, much. It's terrible. It's, it, it literally exists to ape on the Chappelle show. But they have one sketch that I thought was entertaining, and it was um, just uh, it, a bunch of white people going up to the two in the bar and saying, um, like, I just wanted to let you know about slavery. I'm so sorry. I know you can never forgive me. And they're like, well, that was literally hundreds of years ago. It's all good now. And she's like, you have no idea. I'm so sorry. I'm going to go cry now. And then this, you know, this, you know, sort of uh, white guy with dreads in a Tribe Called Quest shirt is like, oh, I'm sorry. I just spilled some beer on my Tribe shirt. Yeah. And they're like, um, uh, okay, so who's your favorite member of Tribe Called Quest? And he's like, oh, I got to go rinse my shirt off. And then um, he talks to the, the bar, the, the bartender, and he's like, um, uh, so do you want to suck it up to us too? And he's like, uh, no, to be honest, you people always kind of made me uncomfortable. And they're like, thank you. And uh, 
Uh, that that's a stretch that I thought was very appropriate for this. Although it's a terrible show, and I will, I, I will enjoy its cancellation when it ultimately comes. I will enjoy. I'm counting down those days. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I can derail a podcast like no. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever have you ever seen how black people are just so sensitive? That's uh, that's my brother who just came in here. The power of editing is um, it's a wonderful thing. Anyway, yeah. it won't happen though. You don't use it. Yeah. yeah, you you don't you don't grasp the power of editing. Right. You you Austin, could can I, ask, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you get down on your brother for his musical taste? Uh, no, just everything else. So yeah, he's, good. you're an older brother, right? Absolutely. Okay, yeah, so you beat out of him, you embarrass him in front of his friends. I have an older brother, so, um, yeah, well, so, all right. I'm an older brother, brother, too, and I openly hate the mainstream stuff that my sister listens to, and I openly put her down because of that. So I was wondering if you guys do the same thing. I've, I've just stopped caring. Yeah, me too. What other people listen to. I, yeah, same. I'll just uh, find common, I'll just find, you know, like, common artists, and I'll just chat them up about them. Because I'd have to deal with it too much otherwise. There's voice crack. I'm ignoring it. But um, I have to deal with I didn't with hear that. it, actually. I didn't hear it, dude. I did it. All right. Um, you were too anyway, rough. I'd have to fight people too much if uh, I were I were to, you know, defend my taste everywhere I went. I, I've said exactly. This people, people around me, like my friends, start talking about music. I just sit there and shut up. Right. See, I can't do that. I'm not mature I enough. can't either, Alex. I cannot do that. Nobody either. wants you to be that guy, though. Nobody wants you I, to be I the know, but... Uh, I am the designated that guy. Like, people know me. Like, when they talk talk about music around me, they start... They look at me all self-conscious and shit. Because I go to a really the same thing to me. And it, it really... It's really awkward, but it's also like... It's like a new kind of swag. You know what I mean? Yeah, except nobody likes you for it. Well, it, it's like, oh, designated hipster kid, and it's just like, all right, yeah. well, it's... I continue <laughs> talking about how, like, fucking, um... Who's that white rapper from Pittsburgh? Uh, uh, oh, Mac Miller. Mac Miller. Yeah, I keep yeah. talking about how, oh, you know, Mac Miller's new mixtape is pretty good. And, I mean, Childish Gambino, too. Like, I, I know Shuey loves Childish Gambino. I... I liked it upon first listen, but now everyone's liking it, and now I don't like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... I, I guess I'm being a hipster, but um, just, I just don't like when people talk about shit that too much, you know. The same. Like I'll go to concerts, I'll go to shows. My friends will ask me what show I went to. I'll be like, whatever. Yeah, you'll probably you probably haven't heard whatever of whatever band, and they just look at me. People with hate blank stare. People every hate time. that. Res- people hate that response. Like, oh, what are you listening to? Oh, you probably haven't heard of them. Like that's the truth, though. Like it is I the don't truth. Know how to, that's I don't why know how to... I just started telling them, and then they look and be like, "Oh, I've never heard of them." What are you listening to? Oh, your tiny walnut brain probably couldn't even begin to grasp their name alone. That's what I think in my head. No, yeah. I actually just use the new the new internet cop out. We're just like, "Oh, it's this band I found on the internet," and then they're like, "Oh, I don't really go on the internet that much, so I haven't heard of them." So it's kind of <laughs> like meaningless. That that sentence doesn't mean anything. But but it's a lot less condescending than saying <laughs> on the internet. I find every band I listen to. I blame to the internet for me. Cyberspace like found them on the cyberspace. Yeah, I just say that, and and it's it's it gets me out of it instead of acting like 
you know, I know it because of some reason, you know, because I'm more intelligent than that person or something. Uh, whenever yeah. anybody asks me, I just kick them in the shins and save them the trouble. Um, <laughs> this is getting a way too hipster pride for my for my comfortability. So, com- com- Internet goodness. pride, not hipster, man. Come on. It's the internet cop out. out. Eh, all right. I like the internet enough. Internet, nice place. Alrighty. Alrighty. Um, I, I, I'm tempted to say we should probably wrap this up. It's been going on for quite a while, and I think our discussion has been it's been fun and engaging and interesting. And uh, I think this is probably a good wrapping up point because uh, nobody volunteered any conversation just then. Anyway, uh, anybody have any finishing remarks? Um, Black Sabbath. Um, favorite Black Sabbath albums. It's Master of Reality. Can't be anything other than Master of Reality. Come on, don't, don't, don't insult me. Well, I'm, I'm more of a moments guy. I like <laughs> moments in an album. What are you? So. Oh, uh, I thought you. Oh, okay. Never mind. Never, never mind. Just go ahead. <laughs> I just felt like their 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 debut had had stronger moments, but they were shorter. You know what I mean? Like Masters. Of, all, right, all right. Like. Is is Masters of Reality post Tony Iommi losing his fingers, or pre? Uh, well, I'm not entirely sure about the chronology of that, but I will say well, that that's it, a very significant thing. There are musicians here, you know. Well, they're uh, losing their fingers. The mm, I like Black Sabbath a lot, and once Ronnie James Dio happened, I no. don't like Black Sabbath even the slightest bit. Um, but. Uh, what I will say about uh, Master Reality is that it invented Doom and Stoner and Sludge Metal in a very, very real and concrete way. Like, it didn't just pave the way for them, like, you know, like uh, 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 Blue Cheer did. It actually, it is a legitimate Doom Metal album. Everything about it, the guitar tone, the lyrics, all of it. Yeah, it you is, got Into the Void. Yeah, like, the, the themes, like Sweet Leaf and everything. It is legitimately, the. I think it, I'm going to call it the first real heavy metal album of of history all right yeah yeah i i mean i would say that just they're self-titled no i mean the the first heavy heavy metal album of all time because i the thing that album prides itself on is heaviness which is what you know doom metal prides itself on and i will say that you know like uh uh, the self-title is probably uh Actually, I think you're right. It's probably the first heavy metal album of all time. But I think a lot of stuff before that, other bands, was like hard rock or you know heavy rock, and uh, those are those are not metal in my book. No way, no how. Anybody else have any opinion on this? Is Black Sabbath one of those internet bands? Right. Yeah, they are. Um, you probably so. haven't heard of them. I've yeah, you probably haven't heard of them unless you. I mean, Eminem sampled Changes, um, so you probably heard of that. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love my white rappers. Marshall Mathers. Oh, Marshall Mathers LP, man. Great. I album. know his real name. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Few people know that. Yeah. I don't even know what's happening on this podcast. Yeah, I don't even. I, I just decided to change the subject from let's end this chat to Black Sabbath. You kept it going, sir, and I commend you for it. Eh, you know, you got to commend me for the effort. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, you know. But yeah, yeah any, any other topics? Or are we going to close up? I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Anyway, 
Um, uh, from all that's here at your podcast, Opinion is Wrong, we wish you uh, uh, a happy farewell and um, good luck in all your future endeavors. This is Austin saying goodbye. Listen to Ecstasies. Bye. Shut up. This is Evan. Bye. This is Mark. Don't do what Alexander says. Uh. <laughs> and we're ending it. <laughs> <laughs>